0: Hello and welcome back to Beniah, Mighty Man of God, by P. H. Thompson, an audio book. This is Chapter 36. After Ahithophel was Jehoiada, the son of Beniah, then Abiathar, and the general of the king's army was Joab. First Chronicles 27:34. It pained Beniah to see his former king and friend reduced to such frailty. David was not yet threescore and ten, and only ten years older than Beniah yet his hard life had taken its toll. He was completely bedridden, and despite the many covers on him, he could not seem to get warm. Someone suggested a young virgin be found to warm him. The king responded favorably to the idea, so Abishag the Shunammite was brought to him. She was a beautiful young woman, and she served David and cared for him, but David was not intimate with her. In the house of the mighty men, Ray, one of David's other bodyguards, said, Did you hear what Adonijah has done? Benaiah shook his head, wondering what else the sons of the king had found to do to stir up trouble in the kingdom. Adonijah, David's fourth son and now eldest to survive, had won the hearts of the people in southern Judah just as his brother Absalom had done years ago. Adonijah was also handsome, like his late brother, so people stared in admiration when he spoke to them. He convinced them he cared about them and their concerns more than the king, when in reality he only loved the adoration of the people. He got himself a chariot and horses. What? Was this the treachery of Absalom all over again? They began with self-importance and moved to treason. Benaiah couldn't bring himself to imagine that yet another son of David would attempt to take the throne. In some cultures, when a king lost his virility, it was seen as a sign that he could no longer lead the nation. Had word of his chaste treatment of Abishag become common knowledge? Not only that, but fifty men to run before him. A royal bodyguard? For what purpose? Why would Joab release David's soldiers from their regular duty to make such a pretense of importance and power for the prince? Apparently Joab supports him. Benaiah's jaw slackened. Surely not. Joab has been loyal to David throughout his life, even during Absalom's rebellion. I can't believe he would turn on the king now. Oh, why hadn't David officially named his successor? Most knew he was partial to Solomon because he was beloved of the Lord, according to the pronouncement of Nathan the prophet. Because of it, David favored him shamelessly before his other sons. David also acknowledged Bathsheba as his favorite wife. And through Nathan, the Lord had named Solomon as the son who would reign after David. How could there be any opposition to the appointment? But the history of his people had proved that they were constantly challenged by the enemies of God, within and without the country. I don't know, but I suspect trouble, Ray said. The people know David isn't long for this world. They want a king who is visible, powerful, popular. I've heard Adonijah has even publicly declared that he will be the next king. What of Abishai and the other mighty men? Are they also in his camp? Benaiah asked, half afraid to hear the answer. None, other than Joab, from what I've heard. Surely David had heard of the public claim to the throne, and was even now planning to put down another rebellious son. This time he wouldn't turn and run, as he had with Absalom. Not that he had the strength to run any more. Beniah hurried to the palace, eager to find out what David's plans were for quelling the rebellion and naming his successor. When he arrived, he was told no business will be conducted today. Adonijah is sacrificing sheep, oxen, and fattened cattle by the stone of Zohaleth by Enrogel. He has invited all the king's sons and all the leading men of Judah to attend. This sounded terribly familiar to Beniah. The area was in a somewhat secluded place near the convergence of the Hinnom and Kidron valleys, the perfect location for a clandestine purpose. When Absalom decided to kill Amnon in retaliation for the rape of Tamar, he invited all the king's sons to a sheep-shearing as a pretense. It couldn't be happening again. Beniah had to tell Nathan. As if summoned by his thoughts, the prophet appeared from the stone stairwell at the end of the long hallway. His age had not diminished his erect stature or noble bearing, although his receding hairline and graying beard announced his de- six decades of life. Beniah hurried toward him and relayed the me- information he had heard. Did you know about this? Nathan shook his head. I was not invited. Surely, if he was planning to show he had a legitimate claim to the throne, he would have invited both of us. Is Solomon in danger? Nathan laid a hand on Beniah's arm. For now he is safe. I just left him. He was not invited either, it would seem. Beniah let out a relieved breath. Thank God. I must find Bathsheba, Nathan said. You go to David's side as usual. I will send Bathsheba in to give him the news, then I'll follow to confirm her words. Perhaps we can stop this rebellion before it starts. Benaiah hurried to David's chamber where he found Abishag the Shunammite pouring water into a basin to bathe the king. David was on his bed. His face was pale. Benaiah bowed before the king. How does my lord fare today? David attempted a smile. Not sure I would have the strength to hold up a sword. Bathsheba was announced by the guard at the door. She rushed to the king's bedside and bowed before the king. David smiled at his wife. Abishag withdrew towards the back of the room. He reached up to stroke Bathsheba's hair. What is your wish, my beloved? Bathsheba drew in a deep breath. My lord, you swore to me in God's name that our son Solomon would be the next king after you. David nodded. I remember. I am not that feeble of mind. Bathsheba took his hand. You don't know this, but Adonijah has made himself king. David propped himself up on one elbow, his features strained. How do you know this? He is hosting a large fellowship meal with many oxen, cattle, and sheep, and he has invited all of your sons to the meal, along with Abiathar the priest and Joab, commander of the army. But he did not invite your faithful son, Solomon. David's head fell back against the pillow. My nephew has sided with him against me? Beniah could only imagine the sense of betrayal David felt. Yes, Bathsheba said. Benaiah could see how the three conspirators had arranged to share power. Adonijah would get the throne, supported by the priesthood represented by Abiathar, and the military led by Joab. It would appear to those who didn't know David's true intent that this was legitimate and that Adonijah, as the eldest living son, would become the next king after David. "'My lord and king,' Bathsheba said, "'All eyes in Israel are on you.' watching to see who you decide will be the next king after you. If you don't decide, then after you're buried, these men will say that Solomon and I are criminals and will have us executed. David lay back and covered his hands, eyes with his hand. Benaiah wondered if it was too late to make his succession announcement, now that he was too ill to go out in public. A servant appeared in the doorway and announced, Nathan the prophet is here. The prophet approached the king's bedside and bowed down with his face to the ground. Bathsheba stepped to the back of the room. "'What news, friend?' David asked, his voice wavering. Nathan rose and told the king about Adonijah's plot to take the throne, including the fact that it was reported that they were shouting, "'Long live King Adonijah!' and that neither Solomon, Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, nor he had been invited." David turned to Benaiah, is Solomon safe? Yes, my lord, I have him guarded by six of the mighty men, he reassured the king. Nathan asked, my king, did you do this without telling us? Please tell us who you plan to make king after you. David summoned all of his remaining strength to sit up in his bed. Abishag rushed forward to help prop him up, and he called for Bathsheba. David's vitality seemed to return to him. As surely as the Lord lives, who has saved me from every danger, I will fulfill the promise I made to you, and Solomon, your son, will take my place on the throne. I will keep my promise this very day. Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth. Long live King David. Summon Zadok the priest to join us, David commanded. Then have him go with Nathan the prophet and Benaiah son of Jehoiada and my officers. When the priest arrived, the three stepped forward, and David continued, Put my son Solomon on my own royal mule, and take him to Gihon Spring. Anoint him, blow the horn, and announce, This is the new King Solomon. How confused the people would be to hear such a contradictory pronouncement on the same day as Adonijah's claim. But the detail of Solomon on the king's mule would add legitimacy to the second proclamation. Then come back here with him. He will sit on the throne and rule in Israel and Judah in my place, even now while I live. Joy, at having lived to witness what David had pronounced at Solomon's birth, gave Benaiah courage to cry out, Amen. May God make it so. As the Lord has been with you, I pray that he will also be with Solomon and make his kingdom even more powerful than yours has been. Amen, cried Nathan. David and Bathsheba both smiled contentedly. David said, Praise the Lord God of Israel. He has put one of my own sons on my throne, and has let me live to see it done. As Solomon rode to Gihon, a great multitude of Cherethites and Pelethites joined the procession. When they arrived at the tabernacle, Zadok took a horn of oil from the priest's chamber and poured it over his head to anoint Solomon. They blew the ram's horn, and all the people who had followed them repeatedly shouted, Long live King Solomon! The crowd rejoiced and played instruments. The earth seemed to split with the joyful sound. Beniah had felt this happy and content only a few other times in his life, on his wedding day, at the births of his children, and on David's coronation day. When Adonijah's guests heard the sound of rejoicing, Joab asked, Why is the city in such an uproar? Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, reported, King David has made Solomon the king. With Jonathan's news, the guests departed, afraid, and Adonijah fled to the tabernacle for fear of Solomon. In distress, he took hold of the horns of the altar, praying that Solomon would not put him to death. When all this was reported to the new king, the company turned to Solomon, waiting to see what manner of person he was. Would his first order as king be for revenge or mercy? He had a legitimate responsibility to protect his throne from all threats, and Adonijah, Joab, and Abiathar were very real threats. Solomon said, If my brother can prove he is a worthy man, I promise I won't hurt a hair on his head. But if he does anything wrong, he will die. Would Adonijah prove himself a worthy man and renounce all claims to the throne? Time would tell bring Adonijah here from the altar. When he came, flanked by two guards, he fell down trembling before the new king. Solomon ordered Adonijah, go to your house and remain there. Beniah didn't trust Adonijah. In his opinion, Adonijah should be imprisoned at the least, instead of given freedom and opportunity to gather support again and oust the new king but Solomon showed more grace than he himself likely would have received if Adonijah's treasonous attempt had been successful. Continue listening for chapter 37.